0: You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is uh, Father James Scholl, and I wish to uh, continue on the political philosophy um, overview and discussion. And uh, after the uh, Simon book, I'd like to spend uh, some time on the um, Old Testament and the New Testament as they affect, in some sense, political philosophy. We'll see more of this when you come to the St. Augustine and St. Thomas and other readings, as we've seen some also in the Simon book. Here, though, I want to spend some time on the Old Testament in the beginning and then some words on the New Testament. In my book called The Politics of Heaven and Hell, there is a discussion uh, in the first two chapters on the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I'll not add much to this, but I do want to point out that two things are worth noting about the uh, Hebrew Bible, which is usually called by the Christians the Old Testament, and in particular its relation to political thought. The first notion is uh, Leon Cass's book uh, The Beginning of Wisdom Reading Genesis, a book which is published in two thousand three. This is in part also a commentary on Leo Strauss's reading of the same text of Genesis in which he points out that contrary to what it first, first looks like on reading it. <clears throat> With um, light appearing before the sun and uh, this sort of thing, there is a definite, that doesn't seem like there's an order, but there is a definite order of reason in the order of presentation in Genesis. It is one of the sins of uh, intellect to regard, to read into uh, text later theories and thereby to fall. Uh, fail to read uh, what is always already there. Cass is an extremely uh, learned man and a medical doctor and, a, uh, among other things, uh, a former presidential bioethicist. His book, The Hungry Soul, Eating in the Perfection of Our Nature, is quite marvelous, and this book, written with his wife, on a book on courtship and marriage called Wing to Wing, uh, Or to Or, Readings in Courting and Marrying, is not to be missed, since most uh, students and most young people are, uh, or soon will be, in the business of being married. A second book is Thomas Pangle's uh, book called Political Philosophy and the God of Abraham, which is published by Johns Hopkins Press in 2004. Uh, the classical Greeks, of course, <clears throat> did not have a knowledge of the books of the Bible, many of which were written before Plato and Aristotle came along, and some, but some were written afterwards. Uh, the later uh, books of the Old Testament and the whole of the New Testament are in Greek, because of the conquest of Alexander the Great. The Old Testament is, of course, a book that stands behind everything you read, almost whether we uh, know it or not. So we should have some idea of its basic structure. Again, the parts and the whole need to fit together. Pengel somewhere said that one has a strange feeling on reading the Old Testament, that even though it was written at different times and by evidently different authors, it has the feeling of having been written by one author, which, of course, is what uh, the notion of uh, inspiration would logically mean. Christians, of course, read the Old Testament as it leads to the New Testament. As the French philosopher René Brog wrote in his brilliant book the law of God. <clears throat> Christianity is a particular interpretation of the religion of Israel on the basis of the of an event, namely the life and death of Christ, that <clears throat> it considers to be central, and that according to uh, the evangelical tradition, makes it obligatory to read all of the experience of the Jewish people in a new light and a new hermeneutic key. Benedict the sixteenth book Jesus of Nazareth is a thorough presentation of the uh, documentary and intellectual understanding of the gospel. Jews cannot read it, read it this way. Um, how the two testaments are or are not related is a seminal intellectual contradiction or uh, uh, consideration. Ernst Martinez's book, The Gospel Accounts of the Death of Christ, is also very good. One of the main things that I would stress is a careful reading of the early books of the Genesis. Several things are to be noted. The Genesis account is written against the an earlier theory that maintained that there were two gods a God of good and a God of evil the God of good made spiritual things and the God of evil made material things notice that as you go through the uh, days of creation in the early chapters of uh, Genesis uh, each level is said to be good matter is not evil in other words, in the, in the Old Testament. The location of evil is not in matter. It, if it were, then the holiest we could uh, do would be to uh, become more and more withdrawn from matter. The Genesis account denies this. Adam and Eve are created in direct relation to each other, but different. Both are human beings. Their complementarity is designed ultimately for the continuation of the race. They are placed in the garden where everything is supplied for them, evidently. They are forbidden, one thing, to eat of the fruit of one tree called, symbolically and significantly, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, so remember that. What is at stake here is not whether the fruit was forbidden because it was not good for them, Uh, but rather the essence of the temptation of Adam and Eve is that they themselves be the cause of the distinction of good and evil, not God. Nor, if evil is not caused by matter, uh, where does it come from? That is the next question. The Genesis account tells us uh, that it comes from within a being, created good, but one who uh, can freely reject God and his own order. The location of evil is always in the free will of some good being. The power of will is itself good. The account of the devil and Adam and Eve's uh, fall uh, brings out this issue. The devil tells Eve uh, that God is a liar when he tells them that they will die if they eat of the fruit. When Adam and Eve choose freely to prefer uh, their own uh, definition to that of God, the fall takes place. The, consequence of, um, the consequences of this action come to effect all of their progeny, up and down to us. If we think of this, it means that our actions do affect others. For them not to affect others, God would have to, to isolate every man and woman in a kind of sealed box so that nothing that they did affected the others, which would mean that we really had no power of action or causing in the world. But there is a promise of a Redeemer. It is the following out of this premise that constitutes what the New Testament is about, God's endeavor to restore mankind to his favor, to his original purpose. But he still must do this respecting uh, human freedom, human free will. Thus, we all have to choose to accept or reject Christ's redemption. It might also be noted that the three listed or implied consequences of the fall in Genesis are these. First, a disorder in the order of family. Eve is to bear children in pain. And secondly, a disorder in work. Adam is to work by the sweat of his brow and third a disorder of polity a coercive government is in effect these are consequences of the fall not the causes <clears throat> that's an important thing to remember the cause of the fall lies in the free will of two finite but intelligent creatures much political philosophy is designed to repair this this uh, situation but in a more uh, dangerous way we have uh, ideologies that want to destroy uh, the family and put everything in the hands of the state we have those that want to control all of property and the economic order and we have those who uh, promise a perfect society on earth by gaining full control of the coercive power of the state. It is the teaching of Genesis that the fundamental disorder is not located outside of man or his free will. No reform of the family, economics, or political order will get rid of evil evil is always possible where free will exists and free will exists because God cannot uh, invite anyone into his kingdom who does not choose freely to accept his invitation the New Testament is much less a political book than is the Old Testament though there are certain things in the New Testament that have had uh, enormous um, influence directly or indirectly on all subsequent thinking about politics. Generally speaking, these issues have to do with the things that are of God and the things that belong to Caesar, where Caesar is the symbol of the state. Uh, with obedience to the emperor, that is, to the political authority. And the trial and death of Christ, uh, particularly as it is related to Socrates and the political philosophy that he stood for, the question of who is my neighbor, the Good Samaritan, and something that Pope Benedict commented on in his encyclical on deus caritas asked the differences between justice and charity, the relation that exists uh, between salvation and politics, the question of the proper conduct of life, the uh, commandments uh, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the claim of Paul to Roman citizenship. So Paul was a Roman citizen. And so forth. We will see more of this when we take a look at Augustine and Aquinas. In my book entitled Roman Catholic Political Philosophy, which was published in 1905, it deals with these issues also. Journals like the Review of Politics, or Interpretation, or Commentary, or First Things are often helpful in this area. There are two strands of thought and action that historically are brought together. The first is the incomparable Greek tradition. Uh, Thucydides, Plato, Aristotle uh, the tragedians together with the Roman traditions, particularly Cicero as uh, as the extent and content of the human mind. Using its own powers becomes manifest. What can the mind know on its own power, as it were? This is what you confront when you read Plato or Aristotle or Cicero. So the distinction, what does the natural mind know? and What uh, does the mind that has been addressed by Revelation know? And how do they relate to each other? You'll notice the um, vast scope of interest and depth of uh, reflection in these authors. One of the big shocks we often receive on reading them is the clarity of their minds and, as the, the uh, say, the Roman and uh, Greek writers, and how what they argue still is guiding us this is because at the beginning, uh, because of the abiding permanence of human nature over time and place, the universal side of the Greek and Roman. We go away from reading them, wondering about what they say, or whether they have left us anything uh, unanswered, So, and if so, what did they say? Benedict XVI's famous Regensburg lecture was on the whole this whole issue. I have a book on that title of uh, the Regensburg lecture. Uh, over against this tradition is the revelational tradition, as the traditional reason the the traditional revelation, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that is not uh, organized as an intellectual discipline. You can find almost anything on almost any uh, page of the uh, Scripture. But usually, as uh, an historical narrative, it proceeds according to time. In some sense, the uh, Testaments are ordered to an account of salvation history. Uh, So this relates to the sort of history we find in... Herodotus and Thucydides and Tacitus and Livy. In any any case, both testaments can also be and have been ordered by theological and philosophical thinkers into a sequential intellectual structure about what is God, what is man, what is the cosmos, and their interrelationship. The question then comes up historically from the very beginning with people like Justin Martyr or Origen or St. Basil or St. Augustine about how the two Testaments are related to each other. Is there a uh, coherent relationship or are they simply uh, incompatible? The famous essay, of Leo Strauss called Jerusalem and Athens uh, brings up this issue uh, this is also uh, the heart of Aquinas in any case one does not need to be a Jew uh, to understand the gen- in general what is contained in the Hebrew Bible or a Christian to understand what it is in the new testament what is in the new testament uh, just as one does not need uh, uh, need to have uh, to be a marxist to understand what is in marx or uh, a buddhist to understand uh, what Buddhism buddhism claims for itself in its books this does not mean that there is a belief uh, if there is belief with some uh, understanding, uh, just that basics of a position can usually be understood uh, if looked at objectively, uh, but still, uh, how and whether it all fits together depends on some effort to understand all of the terms uh, involved in all of the issues. Again, uh, reading the Bible, like reading the Greek uh, Greeks and the Romans, is something uh, cumulative. Everyone is, uh, in the meantime, everyone in the meantime has read them. It would probably be impossible, for instance, <clears throat> to understand much of Shakespeare if one knows nothing of Greek. Roman or medieval history and thought or if one knew nothing of the Bible but all early modern philosophers like Hobbes or Rousseau and Locke try to rewrite Genesis in their own odd way and Since Marx was originally a Jew. It is no accident that Marxism has some basic themes that were clearly um, efforts to rewrite or complete Genesis and uh, Exodus. Uh, Though it is not the um, purpose of this uh, particular treatment to uh, teach Greek literature or the Bible, uh, we cannot really understand Political things uh, as they are without some knowledge of where ideas came from. Most political thinkers understand this. A very good book on the whole relation of cosmology to the essence, essential teachings of Genesis is Robert Spitzer's book, New Cosmological Proofs for the Existence of God. This book is a remarkable study in these issues of the origin and meaning of man in the universe another good book is robert sokolowski's book the god of faith and reason the reading of the old and new testament uh, that i present here is based on the first two chapters of uh, uh, the politics of heaven and hell i mentioned um, the first is on the Old Testament and then on the New Testament. Sometimes it is very difficult to read. And a good deal of what I argue in the chapter on the New Testament is that is found in uh, my book on the uh, limits of political philosophy, the chapter on the death of Christ and the death of Socrates. The chapter on the Old Testament was originally... Uh, it was originally a, a uh, an essay. <clears throat> the New Testament passage, that obviously the passage that obviously have some pertinence to politics, are the famous passage in Matthew 22, where it says, "Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's." Now, this is quite a remarkable insight, and it really overturns or changes the whole attitude of the ancient world towards both politics and what is beyond politics. The most important part of this admonition is not that there are things of God, everybody recognizes, but that revelation itself acknowledges that there are things proper to Caesar, that is, to the politic. That is to say that The distinction is not found in other religions, generally speaking, though it is foreshadowed in a way in Aristotle by his recognition of the theoretic order to which the political order by being itself is directed. Again, Christianity did not understand Revelation to include everything but only certain things that would uh, clarify man's ultimate destiny and how to correct his life, to live his life. It left to reason and experience what they uh, should be able to figure out by themselves. The second passage in the New Testament that has political overtones is that in Paul's epistle to Romans chapter 13 where he says that we are to be obedient to the emperor who bears the sword that is he has the coercive power that aristotle talked about at the end of book 10 of his Ethics. remember that coercive authority is substitutional as simon said it only exists because of defects of something, of someone not ruling himself and uh, uh, disturbing others. In these passages, the uh, Roman emperor is referred to. This is not a statement about a preferred form of rule, but of any authority, however it may be configured. Democracy, oligarchy... Uh, tyranny, polity, aristocracy, or monarchy, or of the mixed forms. It is also well to remember that when Paul made this statement, probably it was in the time when the emperor was Nero, uh, who was a tyrant if there ever was one. Paul was not approving of Nero's uh, conduct but pointing to the nature of uh, present political authority. We are to obey legitimate authority, but not uh, when it commands things contrary to reason and to God. There are, of course, other passages in the New Testament that have consequences. Take the parable of the Good Samaritan. Of whom, of uh, the question of who is my neighbor. The point of this parable was that at some time or other circumstances, anyone may uh, need us. Uh, while the world is justly divided into different polities, still there is a universal concern for everyone, no matter what his. Of political condition or situation. In the Acts of the Apostles, we find many instances of issues that have political overtones. At one point, Paul himself is uh, arrested by the Jews for a violation of some part of their law. It turns out that Paul was also a citizen of Tarsus, a city in Asia Minor in which he had also, by treaty, Roman citizenship. Any Roman uh, citizen had the right to appeal his case uh, from a local level to Caesar uh, over the head of the local courts. This is what Paul did. That is how he was shipped to Rome in the first place and prison, and apparently he died there. The point is that Paul uh, found, the, found no difficulty in using civil law to protect him uh, against unjust treatment. While the early uh, Christians uh, were busy uh, just staying alive and organizing themselves, Uh, often under persecution, that they did not advocate uh, a withdrawal from the state. They wanted to live peaceably in the places in which they lived. Another incident in the Acts of the Apostles had to do with uh, Peter and John, who had been called together uh, before the Jewish authorities. Remember, the Roman. The Romans left most local affairs to the hands of local authorities and only interfered when Roman interests were at stake, or they were forced to, like Pilate, to take a make a decision uh, because of local turmoil. At one point, Peter and John are ordered to stop preaching by the local authorities. They reply that they are free to teach what the Lord sent them to do. And this incident is the foundation of the notion of freedom to speak and preach what is true even against the wishes of the local authorities. So these are some considerations and reflections on the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, I might add, They have uh, many kinds of things, the notion of prophecy, the notion of a king, the notion that a uh, purpose of government is to help the poor and the widows and the orphans, Uh, the notion that there is a chosen people and that that chosenness is not due to any kind of virtue in the people, but it is rather due to God's own choice, and yet every nation has some account some some narrative about its own uniqueness and its own individuality. And the multiplicity of different kinds of states is, in fact, a good thing in principle. So the New Testament and the Old Testament uh, ought to be seen in relationship to each other. And in, from a Christian viewpoint, the two testaments belong to each other, prepare and complete each other in a coherent and rational fashion. There are many who will say that this is not so, or this is not this is not possible. However, the uh, question can only be resolved by the evidence, and that evidence has been spelled out for many centuries, many generations, and probably nowhere better than in Benedict, the sixteenth book on Jesus of Nazareth, which is up to date with regard to the latest scholarship, which has been tempted to. Uh, Interpret the which does often uh, interpret the scriptures as either unrelated, unreal, or undefensible, Uh, and when that's the case, it is the function of of philosophy to examine the objections and to see whether they themselves are coherent. And so that's where we will end here with this particular discussion of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But these uh, we want to remember that they do have enormous effect in the political order, and we'll see, as I say, more of this when we come to the discussion of Augusta. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.